Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how Holy Spirit, the Bible, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. The title of my message today is simply try to provoke a thought about who is leading you. That's the title of my message is who is leading you. I want you to ask yourself that question. What is leading my life right now? Uh, It's an important question to ask and to ask it regularly about who is leading you or what is leading you. Because that can change depending on what we're giving our attention to and our focus to. And the reason why it's important to identify what is leading us is so that it might give us an insight into proclivities that we might have or, or tendencies we might fall back to, but then we can replace that with the way that God wants to lead you. Because there's the ways that we can try to lead ourselves. Some of those things might be maybe you just trust your own mind and knowledge more than anything, and you're trying to lead yourself in your life. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but there is a better way. And if you go that route, you will find the limits of you leading yourself. Maybe finances is leading your life. So maybe every single decision you make is based on how can I make more money? It's a very common thing for us to fall into because money can solve a lot of problems, if not majority of the problems that we have in the world. But if we make our decisions and money is leading you in how you decide to live, where you go, the path you choose, all these different things, is that you're gonna find at some point that that is going to fail you. You're gonna get to the end of the road. Maybe you... Maybe your life is led by the people that you love. Maybe if you're in high school and you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, your life is being led by what they think of you. Hey, a lot of people fall into the fact of, my life is led of just generally what people think of me or my perception of what I think people think of me. People make decisions based off of that. And I'm I'm trying to throw out a lot of options so you can identify in your life what is leading you. Because what is leading us is going to determine what your life is gonna look like. Now, today our focus, I said I had a couple of sermons I wanted to talk about. Today the, the, the focus of the sermon is this relationship between the bread of life, which is God's word, and Holy Spirit. And I wanna talk a lot about Holy Spirit today because Holy Spirit, I believe, is a underappreciated weapon or force that every single believer has access to. And if you look at what if, if you profess to be a Christian, if you profess to love Jesus, which means that you've given your life to him, it means that you've come to salvation in Jesus. Um, at that point, you've got a decision to, to make about what is going to lead the rest of your life. Because we can stay in this infancy mode or this immaturity mode of loving Jesus, saying I have a relationship with him and putting your faith in him, but not progressing into maturity in your life that every believer is called to fulfill and to walk down, to be a disciple. A disciple means to be a disciplined follower of Jesus. 
There's not an arrival point of salvation. The reason why I'm going here is because Holy Spirit, I believe, is that in our world, we've got a lot of Christians dabble in so many different areas to try to get the things that Holy Spirit is there to bring you and to give you. People who don't believe in Jesus try to fulfill this in a lot of different ways. Did you know that Holy Spirit is there to lead you and to guide you and to strengthen you and propel you into what God has for you? Does anybody know that? (laughs) That's what Holy Spirit is, is for. And you've got an option to live with Holy Spirit, like coinciding, working with, hearing from with Holy Spirit, or you have an option to not do that and just keep, and not just, but keep Jesus at salvation for you. And you've, you've heard Pastor Leon speak on for years and years, the power and the authority, the believer and what Holy Spirit, what he does in your life. And for me, I believe that when you have these two things working hand in hand, you're consuming, you're feeding on the bread of life and you're earnestly desiring, as it talks about in Corinthians, the, not just the spiritual gifts, but to have relationship with Holy Spirit, that is where the cycle of Christianity really starts to mean something and it starts to blow you away in terms of what life can actually look like. But I believe that if you have one of those key pieces missing is you're missing out on this beautiful relationship that works together. Because what good is it to be led by the Holy Spirit, but to not to have any word in your heart or your life, which is to propel you into the situation that you have. If Holy Spirit can even lead you without having the word put in your heart. But what good is it to have the word in your heart if Holy Spirit isn't there to lead you and guide you and move you into situations where that word can become a reality in your world? You know, life has got so many circumstances that, might uh, drain you. Have you ever felt drained? The end of your rope, maybe you felt like, I don't know how to proceed. I've hit the limit of my knowledge. Like, I don't know what I should do. We look all these places for advice. Maybe you just, you, you feel so, you feel so drained of all the circumstances that seem to continually push at you. If you're, you're human, the human condition is we'll feel that. We'll feel that you're at the end of your rope every so often. But then every so often, and there's men that I've known like this, this is something I try and strive and I, I, I try to be like as best I can. I want to arrive at this point. Every so often you'll meet a believer that seems to be able to handle the world and more with joy, with peace, with strength, making the right decisions. And it never seems to daunt them. It never seems to weigh them down. It never seems to, where they come across like, I just am done with life. You ever meet some of those people? I know a couple of them. We, we, we know some people that have been like that. But did you know, I have a question, is that I would guess, and I would even suggest that when you meet those people, they have learned how to tap into Holy Spirit who is there to strengthen and equip you when you've come to the end of your rope. He's there to take over and to pro- propel you into what you need to do. That is Holy, part of Holy Spirit's job is to do that. When we look through what Holy Spirit is, is that I believe it's a supernatural force. And that word a lot of times can, it's a funny word if you don't believe really in supernatural things. It doesn't make sense if you believe in the natural. But it's a supernatural thing that God left for every believer. Are we on, you guys are with me so far? You wanna hear something crazy that Jesus said about Holy Spirit? 
So you have his disciples. They walked and talked with Jesus. They performed miracles. They were going out with Jesus wherever he went in this three and a half year period and they transformed the world. They were getting the old covenant, people who were used to the law, Jewish religion. What they were doing is they were coming and showing them that that's not the way. There is a new way, a new covenant. They were setting the foundation in this middle transitional period from old covenant to when Jesus and the disciples were there into a new covenant, which is the church age that is coming forth. And what they did is they had every, they were empowered by Jesus to walk and talk on behalf of him with his authority to go and perform miracles, signs, and wonders. They fed the hungry, they cast out demons, there were miraculous healings that happened. So, so I'm giving an idea of what these disciples did. If anyone had permission to go out and to continue doing that, you would think it would be the disciples, right? So if you look at after Jesus died, was buried, and he resurrected, and right before Jesus ascended into heaven, this is the crazy thing that Jesus said, is that these men on, in Acts chapter two, when they were gathered, you guys will know it as the day of Pentecost, is that Jesus told them right before this, before he ascended, he said, guys, don't do anything else. It's David's paraphrased version. David translation of the Bible. Don't do anything else. Don't even think about continuing what you've done. Don't even continue to go out and tell people about me. Don't continue to perform miracles. Wait here and do nothing until Holy Spirit comes. So this emphasis is on Holy Spirit. The men who were walking with Jesus, Jesus told them to wait until Holy Spirit comes and he, he comes and he works alongside you and he works with you. Jesus stressed the Holy Spirit. You look at the Apostle Paul when he talks and he writes later about and he says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He is talking about Holy Spirit in this moment, reminding them that Holy Spirit is there to live and to guide. Jesus was confined to one man's body. Jesus was with people as he went to move, but Holy Spirit, when it came down, it came down on all those who would accept Holy Spirit and is there to work. That is the beauty of what Holy Spirit is. So Jesus says this statement, but I feel like in our day, in our age, maybe every generation experiences this, and I'm sure they do because every generation, you've got people who are mature Christians, you've got people who are call them immature Christians. You got people who stay at immaturity even though they've been Christians for 30 years and they've never progressed is that so many people are leaving Holy Spirit on the sideline. And I, I, I 100% believe that with Holy Spirit is that that is the key for you living the life that God has called you. God has called you to a perfect will that he would love for you to walk down. But if you're trying to do that on your own strength, on your own knowledge, on your own emotions, is that you at some point or another, you are going to hit the end of your rope. You're gonna make a wrong decision. You're gonna feel guided by your feelings in the wrong direction. And you're ultimately going to make missteps along that way. But Holy Spirit, when you learn to partner with him, when you have the word in your heart and you partner with Holy Spirit, he is there to lead you and guide you and it will exceed your expectations in every area of your life. It's a beautiful thought. You guys with me so far? So the goal for today, we're gonna get a little bit practical in just a moment, but I wanna talk, we're gonna keep talking about the bread of life consuming the word and the relationship with Holy Spirit so that you in your life, see, 
I'll back up for a second. It says in, in 1 Corinthians, I believe chapters 12, 13, and 14, it talks about earnestly desiring the gifts of the Spirit. And if you, if you haven't heard this, maybe you're a newer Christian, there's nine gifts of the Spirit that is available to every single believer. Again, supernatural, right? This is supernatural that God has equipped the church with of these gifts that you can operate in your life. So for example, if you look at the word of knowledge, or the gift of knowledge, the gift of wisdom, the gift of miracles, the gift of healing, the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretations of tongues, even the gift of discerning spirits. There's, there's these nine, I only said eight, but there's nine gifts of the Spirit that are available to you. That Holy Spirit is there to use, to lead to God. I'll give you an example, a very practical example. The word of knowledge. Now, if you're not familiar with what this is, this is a supernatural thing that Holy Spirit is there with you to well up, whether it's a feeling, whether it's an actual sentence or a thought that pops in your head that helps you in the situation that you're in. I'll give you an example. Maybe you're a parent and you've got a 14-year-old kid that is dealing with something, but he or she is not telling you about it. They're ashamed to talk to you about it. In that moment, I want to be so tight with Holy Spirit that Holy Spirit drops something on my conscience, drops something in my heart that just goes like a radar and goes, I got to talk to my child about this. And he helps you open the door to something that ultimately will shape and shift the path that your child is going down. Now, I want to operate like that. You guys want to operate like that? That is a gift that you can operate in. You can have the gift of wisdom. Now, I think the man that I probably knew that operated the best in the gift of wisdom was Pastor Leon. Is that this man operated with Holy Spirit and him fulfilling this pastoral office as well. There's an extra anointing, I believe, that goes on that when he's called to that office. But this gift of wisdom is available for every single believer so that you might not know why you feel led to make a decision or go to a certain path. But if you're coinciding with Holy Spirit and you have the word built up in your heart, is that what can happen in that moment, you're gonna get this overwhelming sense of do this. You don't know why, you can't explain it. People are gonna say, no, don't do that because they're being led by their senses. They're being led by their feelings. But you feel like this, this hook is in your mouth, yanking you one way. Well, that's Holy Spirit welling up, doing his job of the gift of wisdom in a situation. I'll give you, again, another very practical example. Is an example I know I'll give, we've talked about this lots. I think Jeremy has mentioned this several times about when our church and our, actually in our church, our world entered into COVID in, in January, February of 2020. And Pastor Leon felt immediately in his spirit, we got to do drive-in. We have to do this. We got, because at the same time, our church's stance has always been is that God is ultimately leading us and guiding us. We will do our best to try to work with governments and to pray for them and lift them up. But if they're doing things that is going to stop what God's calling us to do, we're not gonna let that happen. So we're trying to walk that line of still being up. So Pastor Leon felt we have to do this. We don't know what COVID is. Remember at the time, no one knew what was going on. Let's, let, let's just try to figure this out. And I remember sitting in a meeting with him and calling like seven, eight of his closest advisors. And he's bringing up this idea of, of COVID. And I remember thinking, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> I obviously wasn't being led by Holy Spirit in that moment. I remember, I remember saying, I don't think it's the work. My generation, like I don't even remember the last time I've been to a drive-in. They all look, I just picture like an old small town, decrepit, broken down. Like who's gonna come to drive-in? Like, 
that's ridiculous. And, and I remember pretty much everyone in the room was saying, that's not gonna work. But Leah, Pastor Leon felt in his spirit, this is what we have to do. Everyone said no, but he said, I don't care. We're doing it, that's an order. And we went ahead with it. And if you look at the path that that propelled Springs Church down, small thing, well, it's a lot of work, but put up screens, gather people, we had thousand cars coming on a parking lot every Sunday, is that Springs went and we wish we could have done one in Calgary. We just didn't have the property at the time and we still don't have the property for that. But we will in Jesus' name one day, amen? Is that, um, is that, that was a lot of work to put together and to get going. But what that led the way to is that Springs Church Winnipeg became a beacon of light in that time where it was an actual destination point for people to come and hear the scripture. That led the way to Pastor Leon and Springs Church challenging the provincial government. That led the way and it fueled different things. That so all I'm saying is that you have no idea what one what might be a small decision in the initial moment, but Holy Spirit's leading you and guiding you down. You have no idea what that will open the doors for you. This is how Holy Spirit operates. This is what Holy Spirit's job is to do. I, I wanna be able to operate in the gift of healing. If something ever happens to my boy that's out of my control, I wanna be able to go knowing full confidence that I can go and lay my hands on that boy and he is gonna be healed. I want to operate. I don't want to have to figure these things out in the moment of emergency or flip a coin as to what direction I should go. So this is, I'm trying to paint a picture of Holy Spirit is a lot of times being left on the sidelines. We're not bringing him in. We're not including him in our life to lead us and to guide us. The key for our cities and our nations to thrive, the key for our world to continue to go forward is discipled followers of Jesus working alongside Holy Spirit. That is the key. We can be politically active. You can have all the knowledge. You can read all the books that you want. You can know um, theology. You can know guys like ancient philosophers like Aristotle or whatever. But the key to this is partnering with Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to get a little more practical if you guys are okay with that in my remaining time. I've talked about Holy Spirit, trying to paint a picture of what life with Holy Spirit looks like. Now, a sign of whether you're walking with Holy Spirit is whether the gifts that I've talked about, and you start studying the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, whether those gifts are evident in your life or maybe they've shown up periodically. Now, I'm not saying they're constantly always there, but I believe that when the time presents itself, that those gifts will be available to me and I can operate in those gifts. That's something I strive for. So that's the way you can self-judge, be like, do I need to push in? Because if you haven't been, know that Holy Spirit is there at your disposal if you have the Word of God operating in your heart. We good? Now we're gonna talk about the Word of God operating in our life because you have this bread of life. Jesus describes the Word as the bread of life. It's kind of a strange way to describe it. It's, it's a mystery because it doesn't make sense in the natural to consume words written on a page and conflate that with being bread, which means sustenance, means I live. But it's actually, it's a mystery that is hard to, that's probably the best way you can say it. The word becomes bread of life when you consume it is that when you, and if you aren't consuming the word of God, it's going to sound weird conflating that with the bread of life. But the moment that you start to enter in and you start to actually consume and get this word in your heart, you now enter the mystery 
and you realize it becomes a revelation that I know what he means. I cannot live without this word coming into my heart because the Bible tells us that out of the heart flows the forces of life. So what is in your heart, your deepest belief systems control what your life is like. So what I want to get practical about, this is again the second kind of sermon I was working on for a while, is simply the idea of kind of how I study God's word. So we're going to get practical for six minutes, super practical. Is this okay with you guys? Because a lot of times when people read the scripture, I don't know if it's you, I used to be like this, is that I almost had this preconceived quota in my mind. You guys have that? I gotta read two chapters a day or my name's getting marked in God's record book of David didn't hit his quota on Sunday, June 23rd or whatever it is. Maybe we conflate with reading God's word to a lot. We have to read a lot or I have to do it every single day. Whatever these, these, these expectations you place in yourself. So I'm hoping to break some of those down. Kind of like maybe a number of months ago, we talked about prayer. We broke down some of those holy cows, we, as Pastor Leon would always say, want to shoot some holy cows, is that getting into God's word, there's a number of ways you can study it. If you're studying from a historical perspective, totally different. If you're studying it from trying to figure out what's happening in the day, context and all those things are really important. What I'm talking about today, and I think is the most important way to study God's word, is to understand who you are in Jesus and whose you are. What that means is who God is and what his character is. And when you study it from that perspective, it no longer becomes about an amount I have to study. It becomes about making it personal to me so my heart is transformed by the word of God. And by transformed, to get <laughs> breaking down some things here really deep, we could go for six hours on this. By transformed, I mean that you are convincing your heart of what you believe. Some of you love Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus, but you do not believe that you are righteous. You do not believe that you are in right standing with God. That is a belief that you have in your heart that being a disciplined follower of Jesus by getting the word, the word will dismantle that. If you believe you're not righteous, meaning if you believe you're not in right standing with God, that might look like you screw up one day in your opinion and all of a sudden you think you're out of favor with God and you have to do things to get back. A lot of people can feel that. Well, that's a belief you have in your heart that has to be rooted out and only the word of God can root that out. So that's why we're talking about it from this perspective. But I need some of your help, if you don't mind, to get really practical and personal is that if, if you don't mind, can I use a couple of your names with scripture? If I can use your name, just yell it at me right now. Jasper. I heard Jasper and I heard Grady. Can I get a girl? What was that? Amber. Amber. Thank you, Amber. Just so you know, all of first service shouted at me, so you guys seem really nervous with where we're going. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just going to go with Jasper and Amber for time's sake. The reason why we're going here, and actually I forgot to even open up with the scripture and bug you guys about bringing your Bibles. How many people brought their Bibles? I'm going to, I want to read actually before we just get into that in Philippians 1 verse 19. The whole thing is based around Philippians 1 verse 19 for today. And what this says here, and I'm going to read out of the King James Version, because we're going to break this down in just a second. But this is Paul after writing to the church of Philippi, and he goes ahead in the King James Version, he says, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayers. But the next point I want to focus on, and the supply of the Spirit 
of Jesus Christ. Remember at the beginning when I was talking about being at the end of your rope and meeting someone who seems that they can just continually go on and on and they've tapped into the supernatural? Holy Spirit's job is to supply and to equip and to strengthen you. And Paul makes mention of this about turning my salvation, which again, meaning for my good, he's reading to the church of Philippi what's going on. But he's saying, that I will be strengthened, it'll turn for my good, I can go on with the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, acknowledging that there is a supernatural, elevating, lifting experience that comes when you partner with Holy Spirit. We're gonna dive into that in just a moment. So now back to the practical things of Word of God. The reason why we're getting practical here is because if we wanna partner with Holy Spirit, we need to have the Word of God so indelibly impressed in your heart that it is shooting out of you. If you were to get beaten with a baseball bat, you've got the Word of God coming out of you. That's what I mean by Christians arming themselves. Because if we're not, then we're not abiding in our word, in God's word. And Jesus himself says, you are considered a disciple if you abide in my word. He doesn't say you are considered a disciple if you give your life to me. He says, if you abide in my word. So, okay, Jasper, we're gonna start with you. Is that cool? All right, Ephesians 2, verse five to six. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 2, verse five to six. We're gonna go back to the English Standard Version. Essentially, what this says in my paraphrase version is, Jasper, you have been made alive with Christ. And you, did you know this? That you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'll say that about myself. David, I am made alive in Christ. That's the summary. But if we read the actual scripture, it says, even when we were dead in our trespasses. So Jasper, even when you were dead in your trespasses, what does that mean, dead in my trespasses? It means that, and I've got a, a foundation of scripture I can pull from in my head, but if, if you don't have a deep foundation, this is where reading the word will bring up other verses and other things to help you get to a place to understand it. Basically what that means is that you've chosen to do your own way, your own thing on your own time, and that's gonna lead you to a path you're not gonna be happy with. So even though that you are, you are quote unquote dead in your trespasses, Jasper, even when you're dead in your trespasses, you Jasper were made alive with Christ is that, Jasper, if no one else existed in this room, in this world, it was just you, is that you would have been made alive in Christ because that's how much God loves you. I put my name in there. David, I'm made alive in Christ. And Jasper, by grace, you have been saved. So what does that tell me? It tells me by God's grace, I've been saved, not by my own works, not by something that I can do to make good on something that maybe I messed up a couple days ago. It's not by my own works. It's by what Jesus did for me. And it says, and raised, instead of us, I'll say Jasper. And Jasper, it raised you up with Jesus and he seated you with him in the heavenly places at G with Jesus Christ. So when I say I'm seated with Jesus, what I picture in my mind is I picture the throne room of God and I picture God just as this, this mass amount of light for some reason because that's glory that I can't comprehend. It's just what David does. Right beside him, you have Jesus in the flesh and you have me seated with Jesus, which tells me I've got direct access to this relationship with God. So you see what I'm doing? I'm, I'm trying to break this down so that this becomes an image in my head and I'm not about speed reading. I'm not trying to get through every single thing here. I'm looking at a promise so that I will now meditate. I'll give you a little tip. It is better to meditate on a promise or a verse for a full month 
and understand it and get the promise and get that in your heart than to read the whole Bible in a month and walk away with barely anything or a, a story. If you take a promise and you get it into your heart, what you're doing is you're changing the belief systems of your heart and you're setting yourself up so that out of, the, out of your heart flows the forces of life. If you want to coincide and exist with Holy Spirit and have the ammunition of the word in your heart, this is what you need to do is get into the word and you let the word do its work in your life. I'm, are you Jasper? Am I looking at the right guy? I'm calling some guy Jasper. You're Jasper. You're not Jasper, dude. <laughs> the lights are bright. I blame the lighting person today. All right, next line, we're gonna go with uh, Amber. Let's go with John. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter eight, verse 31 and 32. If you're a very mature Christian in your own mind and this is frustrating you, sit tight. <laughs> this is really good. Every single person can be reminded of what the word does in our life. Okay, so it says here, actually, I'm gonna go John 8, verse 31. It says, so Jesus said to the Jews, I'm gonna say this instead. So Jesus said to Amber, where's Amber? There, oh, you guys are close to each other. Jesus said to Amber, is that if you abide in my word, Amber, you are truly my disciple. That's pretty eye-opening. David, Jesus is saying to David, David, if you abide in my word, that means I'm truly his disciple. So then my mind automatically goes to the counter. If I'm not abiding in God's word, do I still consider myself a disciple to suit my own pride, to make myself feel good? Because I want to let the word of God guide me and lead me into all truth. So it says here, Amber, if you abide in my word. So he's telling, Jesus is telling Amber, telling David, telling whoever, telling Richard, telling Austin, Abide in my word. If you want to be my disciple. Now, what does disciple mean? It doesn't mean that you have necessarily salvation or could lose your salvation. Disciple means a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. This is post-salvation. What are you doing? So you're not at risk of losing your salvation if you don't abide your, in, your, in his word. But you are massively at risk in terms of not living the life that God wants to walk beside you, lead you, guide you. God's got a perfect will for every single one of your lives. Do you know that? I want to experience that as best I can. Actually, that statement's even wrong. <laughs> I want to experience that the way that Holy Spirit can lead me down that path. I want to walk down that path. And if I'm not earnestly desiring and, and, and trying to operate with Holy Spirit and I'm not implanting that word in my heart, I'm going to miss out on what kingdom living truly is. We only got to two. I had like 15 of those I wanted to do to make it personal on the practical step. But the idea is that when you're reading the word is that the reason why you're reading the word isn't to fulfill some quota. It's not to just do your duty and be familiar with certain concepts or to be able to have a good argument at, at like Christmas dinner or something so you kind of know what you're talking about. The purpose of reading the word is to transform your heart. It's to get rid of those belief systems that are holding you back and it's to put in God's belief systems about who you are in Jesus and the power and the authority that comes with you. There's a number one, like again, really quickly, 1 John 5, verse four to five, it talks, I can say here, uh, Jasper, you have overcome the world. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? Sounds a little weird. 1 John 5, verse four to five, 
I want to read you the actual scripture here. That's first John 1. First John 5, verse 4 to 5. It says here, for everyone, so instead of everyone, for Jasper, if you've been born of God, you've overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Jasper's faith. Now, it says overcomes the world. It's not talking about being a king and this tyrant that has the whole world under submission to yourself. It's talking in reference to you can be spiritually minded and living in, in, in the spirit with God, working out that way. Or you can be worldly or fleshly minded, trusting your own instincts and desires and feelings. And that's what it's talking about. You have overcome the world. You are choosing the best way to live by Jasper's faith. If you're with God, and you pursue and you start to get these different scriptures in your heart and you understand I have to abide in God's word and all these things, then these truths start to well up in your life in time of need. Okay, now down to the practical. Now we're gonna move to the close. You guys okay with that? <laughs> Philippians 1 verse 19. We talked about this, about how the spirit of Jesus Christ can supply. Now, I, for a long time reading this in the last number of weeks, I skipped over the word supply over and over again. Probably bet you most of us would probably skip over that word of supply. But that's actually the root of the whole verse expressing what the Spirit can do for you. So I went back, this is what I did. I went back into the Greek to find out what the word is. I'm gonna mess it up, but uh, epikorgio is the Greek word. And what it means, you guys ready for this? On behalf of the choir. Who knows what that means? <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. It's like, what the heck does that mean? So I started digging into this. And again, I've got different apps and things I try to figure out. But what happened when Paul was writing this, Paul would often use phrases that were relevant to people at the time. It'd be like me saying to you right now, uh, people a thousand years ago would have no idea what this means. Did you know that Jesus, he's the goat? <laughs> you guys know what I mean? Okay, if you don't, it's not an insult. It's the greatest of all time. But people a thousand years down the road might not know what I mean by that. So when you dive in, this is part of this delving into scripture to understand what it means. So it means on behalf of the choir. And really quickly, ancient Greeks knew what this meant. It meant at the time that there was this giant choir ensemble production that had been training and investing and putting time and money for months to be able to do the grandest uh, musical choral thing that's ever been seen in Greece at the time. They were working for so hard for months and months and months. But the one thing that they overlooked, they got to the end of their rope by running out of money. They had no more money to continue. The show could not go on the road. They had no more supplies. They had nothing. But the moment that they ran out of money, there was a wealthy businessman who got wind of this. And he went and he made a financial donation to the choir that supplied their need for what exactly they needed. But not only did he just supply it, he gave them so much money that it covered everything they were going to do it covered all their past costs and they gave them so much they had no idea how to spend it all. It was overflowing, it was abundant, it was excessive. So now we back up to this verse of what it says about the Spirit will supply in your life. Holy Spirit, now that I understand the word supply, I get this image of this benefactor coming and supplying every single thing I need. So when I'm at the end of my rope and I feel drained, and I feel like I've got nowhere else to go. I don't have any more knowledge. I feel like all of my resources are dried up. I don't have the will to continue forward. Well, guess who supplies? Holy Spirit is there to strengthen you. It tells us that, that 
His strength is made perfect in our weakness. I used to hate that statement. I hate the idea of being weak. I think most people probably do. But really, God has this upside down kingdom compared to earthly norms. Is that his system is different. That you will, if, even if you don't want to think you're weak, you will eventually experience that weakness on your own strength if you go forward. But at that moment, Holy Spirit is there to strengthen you, to empower you, to bring the knowledge and the wisdom that you need. That is Holy Spirit's job. Let Jesus reinforce you, supply you with the Spirit that comes from Him that is there to help you in every single day life. It's to help you whether you're in politics, whether you're raising a family, whether you're an athlete, whether you are a speaker, whether you're a businessman, whether you're getting married, whether you've been married for 40 years, is that the Spirit is there to lead you and guide you. The bread of life, be a disciple, abide in the Word, and let Holy Spirit come alongside you. Again, on your own time, don't take my word for this, please. Do not believe anything I just told you. (laughs) Go into the Word of God and let Holy Spirit be your teacher, be your guide and bring revelation to you. And I am there just to affirm and to supplement what you are already learning in the scripture. That's pastor's jobs. That's that's all these other things. Don't go to Instagram for bad doctrine preachers. Let the Holy Spirit be the best preacher in your life. The reason why I make a joke, I'm not even gonna go there. I'm not gonna go there, we don't have time. (laughs) Is, totally lost my train of thought. Let Holy Spirit come alongside you. Study in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. Find out what the gifts of the Spirit are because they're yours. They're available to you. Talks about earnestly desiring. And if you want to see your life transformed, you pair, you become, you pair those things. You put the work in. Don't wait for some supernatural event to just drop it on you. No, you pursue it. You desire it. You go after and get into the Word. Let that Word get so indelibly impressed on your life that Holy Spirit can arm you, can, can use you, can guide you. And wherever he leads you to, you're armed with the ammunition that you need. Especially, I'll close off with, with graduates. And if you're watching or you're online, is that if you get this in your life right now, is that you are gonna be starting off on the right foundation, the right footing, whatever all these crazy doctrines and theologies and ideologies that might try to convince you otherwise, is Holy Spirit will bring knowledge and wisdom to be able to bring that up. And not only can you withstand it, you can actually lead the charge and show people that Jesus is the way, not all these other ways. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. We just thank you for this church. We thank you for um, all, all the people present here and in Winnipeg and online. Holy Spirit, we know that you're gonna do your job, that you're gonna bring back to remembrance the word of God in our hearts and our life. God, we know that when your word goes forth, it never returns void. If there's people right now, Father, that have been speaking your word or believing on your word or there's promises that they haven't seen come to fruition, Father, equip them, strengthen them, give them peace that your word never returns void. Help us to continue to follow you, God, so that we can see your kingdom come in our world, in our life, and actually present here on this earth. In the mighty name of Jesus, Everyone in agreement said, amen and amen and amen. Would you do me a favor and bow your heads and close your eyes for a quick moment? We're gonna give you an opportunity right now. If you don't have a relationship with God, I want you to be able to have an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. Um, Doesn't matter where you're at. Doesn't matter if uh, you hate God or maybe you've been hurt by church or maybe um, whatever it might be. Maybe you don't know where you stand with God. But I wanna let you know that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus just so that he could have a relationship with you. 
all you have to do to have a relationship is we repent of our ways, which means that God, I wanna see change in my life and I know that change comes through Jesus, Jesus being the Lord. So when you decide in your heart, you make a decision for Jesus and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you automatically are a part of God's family. You have now entered into salvation and you begin your journey of following Jesus. And if that's you and you wanna have that relationship with God, you know, I'm gonna, no one's looking around, it's just me. I'm gonna count to three. And when I do, would you raise your hand? I'm gonna want to see it. That's the action of saying, I'm making a decision for Jesus. If you're online as well, God knows what you are deciding. So if that's you, would you raise your hand in one, two, three. Awesome, thank you back there, thank you. If you're online as well, God sees you. God knows what you're deciding. Thank you over there, that's great. And we're gonna be praying with people who might be watching this one, two, three, five years down the road. We're believing with them when they come across us and they give their life to Jesus as well. Would everyone please repeat after me? Dear God, I come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross, for forgiving me of all of my sins and for rising again. Today I choose to follow you and I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone in agreement said amen and amen. Hey, congratulations, guys.